Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. Think about it more as how am I going to give versus how am I going to receive? What value and what service am I going to provide? And you're always answering that question with your content, then you won't spend a day feeling guilty in your life doing this. Because if it's always about providing a service and being a force of good in whatever category or niche that you're exploring, then what is there to feel guilty about? And take two. Hello, welcome to the Salt and Pepper podcast for the second time. Um, I did just record an interview. Um, sorry, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. I did just record an intro, was thinking to myself, wow, that was such a good intro. And then for some reason, um, the system that I used to record into sped my voice up to sound like a chipmunk. And I have posted in forums and everything like that. And for some reason, something happened. So, I guess that means I was supposed to redo it, even though I really felt like I was on. Anyway, um, welcome to the show. My name is Olivia. I'm the creator of Olivia Corinne, um, which is a free photo editing tips and tricks resource for content creators. Um, I'm also the co-founder of Velvet and Fur, a polymer clay earring business, and Olivia Corinne Films, uh, which is a wedding filming business. Um, Typically, I would have Lisa sitting next to me, but she is still gone on maternity leave. Um, If you haven't listened the previous episodes. She had her second baby boy, Maverick, um, a few weeks ago, and um, they are doing well. I got to see her last week for the first time in a couple months, and everything is good, Um, but she is enjoying her time with her kids. Um, So anyway, quarantine, right? We're all kind of getting out of it. I am sitting on my, I like to call it my um, quarantine office, which is my bedroom floor. And when I was sitting on my bed previously, the direct like natural light was behind me. And so I felt like I looked really weird in interviews. And so now the only way for the light to be on me is to be on my floor. So then I have to rearrange my room, you know. Oh, whoa, is everyone playing their, uh, like, the world's smallest violin for me out there? Because obviously my life is so hard. Um, anyway, super excited for my interview today. Um, so I just want to jump right into the silver lining of the week. Okay, so this week has been really interesting. Um, a lot of ups and downs, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have been feeling. I I feel like I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and on previous episodes, but I have just really been learning to thank God for all of the trials and thank God for the, the things that I am going through and when things don't work out, learning to take a moment of like gratitude um, and just knowing that God has us under control even when it doesn't seem like it because he knew things were going to happen before they happened, right? Even the quarantine, whatever it was. And I mean, and that's my belief. Um, But I will say this week has been especially hard. Um, I have had a lot of positives, you know. I've been able to interview amazing guests like my guest today. I'm sure you guys saw by the um, intro title is this is somebody that I have followed and looked up to for so long and she randomly had time to interview with me because um you know she was on quarantine like everyone else and so those little things have been such a blessing and also not to mention the fact that when I first started the podcast I only wanted to do in-person interviews which I will say are a lot better and I look forward to the day that I can do that and I can travel more but I was trying to follow suit to a lot of the bigger um, podcasts that only do in-person and well I don't live in LA and so living in a small town in Oregon kind of gives you slim pickings (laughs) when it comes to interviewing. So um, with that being said, I have had a lot of positives and I really feel like God has used this time to expand um, my 
perfectionist hold on my businesses and show me that there are multiple ways to do things. Um, But anyway, this week, even though these things were going on that were really good, I also have had a lot of setbacks because some of my main income is from wedding videography and, you know, that money is used to not only supplement the businesses that I have now, um, but it's used to help me not be as stressed so that I can focus on the businesses I have now. And for all of you out there who are entrepreneurs or maybe work full time and are working on a side hustle or like whatever that looks like for you, um, I'm sure I'm sure you all can relate to know that like you're constantly working and, you know, you might not be in that position of quote unquote success. And so for me, I feel like I've been in this middle ground for a while, like I'm doing these things and they're good, but they're not all the way there and they're not all the way at the beginning. Um, And so weddings have really helped supplement those things for me so that I can be able to do what I love to do. Um, But obviously with quarantine, a lot of stuff has happened with brides having to cancel or postpone. And um, of course, we are all affected by this and so it's no one person's fault which I think sometimes it makes it worse right when you're going through something and you like can't blame somebody else um like I guess you can just like blame the world um and anyway I had some news a couple days ago about something that had fallen through um and that loss was going to severely affect my next few months. Um, and so I went upstairs and, you know, I went in the bathroom and I was just standing there and I was just so annoyed. And I was just like, you know, I want to quit. Like, this is so dumb. Nothing ever works out. And But I was just feeling so down on myself and like, Lord, how many times can I keep going and keep going and keep going without seeing any type of reward? I know people listening can understand this. And he told me, he was like, you know, I need you to write down things that you're grateful for right now. And what's so weird about that is I was listening to a podcast previously that day um, and they were talking about how people that write down three things that they're grateful for. I think I heard this on Armchair Expert. Um, but they've shown like scientifically with like percentages and all that stuff that people that write down three things that they're grateful for every day, um, shows like a significant drop in, um, mental health problems and depression and anxiety and all that stuff. Um, right. Because, you know, if we can just be present and we can understand, first of all, it's not all about us. And second of all, um, there's like a bigger picture, then we're not going to be as, you know, succumbed into falling into these traps of like negativity and all that stuff. Um, So I had downloaded this app and I think it's just called Grateful and I hadn't opened it yet. And when I was reflecting on everything that had just happened, I, I felt like God was saying, you know, you need to open that app and you need to tell me what you're grateful for. Um, And of course, I didn't want to do that. And I went downstairs and I told Tay, who's my best friend and business partner. She was on the show last week. Um, I was like, you know, I can't really think of anything that I'm grateful for right now. So can you please uh, start? Um, and obviously, you know, in hindsight, I'm I'm grateful for even the fact that I have a warm bed to sleep in and all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're in those moments, it really is hard to see past that. Uh, so I would just say with my silver lining, it's like I am still in a state of uncertainty and I'm still nervous and scared for things but you know I've made it this far and I know that God has it under control and I just need to be grateful for the things that I have right now and know that you know my pinnacle point of success might not be what it is right now or ever um so anyway la 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 with all that being said, I really want to get to the guest. Um, so obviously you guys can see that I got to interview Quigley today, which was beyond. I mean, I'm th- uh, trust me, I'm on in the same boat as all of you. I know you're all thinking, how in the world did this girl get her on her show? Uh, trust me, I emailed her. I wasn't really sure I was going to get a response because I know how busy she is. And I got an email back from her assistant the next day and we set something up and it was so seamless and so fun. Um, and it was kind of surreal, you know, like the world we live in right now, like I'm just sitting on my bed 
talking to somebody I have followed and looked at in in photos and in Instagram stories, you know, for so long. But then I was able to just have a conversation with her. And, you know, I'm so grateful that she was able to take her time out of her day to talk to me. And we got to talk a lot about things that I hadn't even heard of from her story. So we talk a lot about her being on American Idol and what that was like for her as far as how she felt shamed. And um, coming out of American Idol was really hard for her. Why she took the name Quigley and, you know, what that means to her. And then we talk a lot about content creation and um, how she really believes in putting like a soul and a heart into social media and what you can do on that platform. And I just know I got so much value from it and I hope you guys do too. Um, I know a majority of you guys listening know who Quigley is. So... I hope you guys like the show. I'm super excited um, to have you on. Again, these are Zoom interviews, so um, the quality of the interview itself isn't, you know, top notch, but I think that's okay because we got the interview and I'm stoked about it. So let's do it. Shut up, Olivia. Um, Quigley, let's shake it up, shall we? Okay, so I'm sitting here, not in person, which sucks, but across from me is Quigley, and I'm so excited you're on the show. I couldn't believe it. I even had a friend say to me, wait, Quigley's going to be on your show? How is that possible? I was like, oh, I have no idea how that's possible, but she is. So thank you for doing this. (laughs) Shut up. Well, I mean, like... I think we're just really fortunate, all of us right now, to have this this valuable time. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I usually, I'm not going to lie, I usually have to say no to a lot of opportunities, which really stinks because, you know, I want, like, this is my passion, getting to be able to have these kinds of conversations with people. But, you know, between events and traveling, I usually have to be so selective. So I'm honestly so, so thankful to be able to have more time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's there's a blessing in in this whole crazy thing that's happening with the world in in that aspect that we get to connect more which is lovely so I'm so excited you reached out and thank you so much for having me yeah of course I kind of had that same mindset because I usually only do in-person interviews and so when all of this happened I was like the podcast is done what am I gonna do and then I was like wait, everyone's stuck at home. I could reach out to like anybody. So it's been, it has been, there's so many silver linings like with all of this stuff going on. So I agree. Okay, so uh, for, I mean, there's not that many people that don't know who you are, but you want to introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about what you do? For sure. Well, my name is Quigley. I go by, well, I've been going by Quigley for about maybe six or no longer than that, like about eight years. Um, and I actually took on the name as a stage name for my music project. I moved out to LA from Minnesota in 2011 to pursue a career in the music industry. And then, um, in 2015, I pivoted into the world of fashion and started a blog. And then now I would say I'm a full-time content creator. I have a team of five that, um, amazing amazing creators that work on my team with me and we create and everywhere from everything from fashion to beauty to lifestyle to wellness um content and it's just been an absolute joy getting to build my audience and connect with people digitally yeah a team of five wow that sounds so cool and so like a lot to handle <laughs> but so fun <laughs> um, but we'll get into that I want to kind of go back to so you said you had it as a stage name um, I mean a lot of people know you were on American Idol and everything um, and when I was doing like more research on you and everything before this I I had learned a lot more about you about Idol about your dreams to become a singer I would love for you to kind of touch in just a little bit on maybe not even just your experience at Idol, but how that shaped you into what you're doing now. Because I know, I mean, I don't know, obviously, personally, but I can imagine that's such a roller coaster, like go through all of those things. Totally. I actually heard a really good quote today while I was on my run. And it was from, I think, the keynote speech that Bill Gates had made at Stanford, like that went viral or something. And it was only looking backward, was I able to connect the dots Mm -hmm. which is interesting to me because I think that's similar in my journey as well. When now, you know, over 10 years later, looking at the experience of Idol and and how it shaped me, am I able to truly go, aha, 
I had to have those exact experiences that led me to this, that led me to this, that led me up and down and across and backwards. And now here I am. And I, and I feel like it kind of fits into this perfect little puzzle. Totally. But at the beginning when I was 19 and going, oh, should I try out for American Idol? <laughs> when never in a million years would I imagine that I am sitting here in California, married with a baby on the way, running my dream business. Yeah. It's it's crazy how you can start at point A and then you're like at point, it's not even a letter. It's just like something else. And you're like, how did I get here? But <laughs> it all makes sense when you get to that point. Um, so when I was reading a little bit about your time on Idol, you were saying that when you came out of it, the biggest, it was harder for you. And then, but mm -hmm. you said one thing that stuck out to me so much, and you said that you didn't want to let the experience define you. And I think that's so interesting whether the experience is like overwhelmingly good or overwhelmingly bad. Letting one experience shape who you are for forever is never good because you have to pivot eventually. And so for yeah. you, when did you get to that spot of being like, okay, like I'm going to kind of shift what I'm doing right now? Yeah. Man, it was not easy. Mm -hmm. It was not easy at all because I came out of the womb saying that I was going to be a professional singer. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I used to like at two years old do impersonation of impersonations of Whitney Houston and Madonna in my kitchen. Like my mom was just like, there's no other career for her. Um, and so for me to change my perception of what it is I was destined for, um, not because I didn't think that I could make it in the music industry. I actually genuinely believe had I continued on in the music industry, I would have been just fine. I was well on my way when I, um, pivoted to writing with the best writers and producers out here in LA and whether it be a, you know, pop star or a writer or producer, I, I felt like I was on the way. I feel like the hardest challenge was for me to see that once I was experiencing the music industry, it wasn't necessarily the industry I wanted to be in. And my dreams of the music industry didn't match up with the reality. And as a kid, I used to want to be a musician so that I could impact people, um, especially after Idol and going through the experience I did with my identity as a woman. I wanted to be able to help young girls formulate and figure out their own self-confidence and identities. And that those were my goals as a musician. And I figured out that you don't need to always have the picture match up with your vision in order to execute the underlying goal or purpose. And so what ended up happening with me was that I had to shift my medium for my art because the music industry itself was making me resentful towards my art and my craft. And so I stepped away and I tried something else that I was extremely passionate about, which was fashion. Um, and I always considered fashion to be a hobby of mine. And, and I never considered it as a career, mostly because my mom actually went to school for fashion and she dropped out. Because when she was younger, like the fashion world was totally different. <laughs> yeah. She she almost like, like I can't even tell you the amount of times as a kid growing up, she said, well, I dropped out of fashion school because I didn't want to pick up pins for 10 years. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> which is just such an antiquated idea now. But I never considered a, a career in fashion because of that reason. And then once I pivoted and started seeing the impact that I could make with my art and with my creativity and with my voice just through a different medium, I realized that, wow, this is what I had wanted for my music career all along. Yeah. So when you reached that point in your head and you were like, this isn't making me happy, this has been my dream, because I think that would resonate with so many people listening, whether they start going to school for something and then they're like, oh, I actually hate this. <laughs> and But then yeah. you have to, you have to like, eventually do it and you have to say okay I'm not doing this anymore so for you was it like this instant thing you went and you told your manager hey I'm done or did you kind of like gradually wean off of it or what did that process look like so what it looked like was I was pursuing music I had a music manager 
I started my Instagram as a means to promote my music. Then my Instagram got to the point where my following was growing kind of fast because of all of the brand collaborations and collaborations with different photographers I was doing. So I started to get job offers. And this was around when I had about 10,000 followers because it was pretty early on. Started to get these random job offers to post about clothing on my Instagram. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and at the same time, my mom uh, had sent me some articles of some other bloggers who were making like half a million dollars a year running their blogs. And she was like, whoa, case, this could be kind of lucrative. Like, and even if it doesn't go anywhere, you could make some money on the side while you're pursuing music. So that's what I did. I just started making a little bit here and there while I was still like, you know, guns blazing for the music industry. And then as things started to unfold with my music career and my relationship with my manager at the time kind of turned sour for various reasons. Uh, I think that was what kind of finally put me over the edge. And I, th I think it was 2015 that in January, I was like total breakdown mode. And I decided I was just going to put a hard pause on the music and just for one year, try and see what happened if I put 100% of myself into the blog. So I basically told my manager, time's up for a year. I'm just going to focus on the blog. And I, I had a bar job also alongside of that. So I was able to work weekends at the bar and make my rent that way. So that was kind of my safety net. So you're working at a bar. I worked in the service industry too, and it's brutal. Yeah. So for you, did you have, how did that year go for you? Were you like eyes on the prize or were you like, this is stupid or was it actually escalating? And how, and how did that look for you if you're still working full time? Yeah. So what, yeah, what are those hurdles that you were going through? Totally. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was really lucky in the fact that I made enough working two nights a week doing bottle service that I could pay my bills. That's amazing. So during the, so I just worked Friday and Saturday nights and the tips from those two nights would let, would be enough to just like be bare minimum, make sure the bills are paid. And then during the week, I just was able to be creative and put like basically my full work week towards the blog. So I would actually say that um, because I had, there were so many things with the music industry that were outside of my control that I could research and research and research. And like, you still don't make progress. Like you can work super hard and you just like, it's so political. It, it, it drove me nuts. <laughs> so, and I am the kind of person where like, as a kid, I idolized Elle Wood from Weekly Blonde. You know, like <laughs> I'm the kind of person where if I put my mind to something, I got to go out and get it. So with the blog, I was like, well, I have all this time. I'm going to work my butt off and see what happens. So I want to say, and I just like, didn't take no for an answer. I, I had no idea how to set up a website. So I built my website. I had no idea how to reach out to brands. So I researched how to reach out to brands. I had no idea how to be an influencer. So I just kind of emulated what I thought I should be doing by looking at other people's stuff and sort of faking it till I make it, made it. And it, it went really well. I mean, I, by the end of the year, I had enough, um, uh, you know, momentum that I want to say it was one year after that, that I quit the bar and was able to go full time. Wow, I, I feel like that's pretty quick, too, because 2015 was kind of not the very beginning of all of that. It was, what, like right in the middle, yeah. kind yeah. of, of the influencer? Yeah. So a year, that's awesome. So for you then, did you have a photographer or were you mainly reaching out to a ton of photographers? And then you said you were reaching out to a ton of brands. So at like during your week, what did what did that look like and how much were you doing? Mm -hmm. So it mainly looked like I had photographer friends that I had made through creating press material for my music. And so every time I'd shoot with one photographer for fun, kind of like it wasn't a paid shoot, like one of their photographer friends would reach out and be like, Hey, do you want to shoot? And I just started to make this network of friends that were photographers and that were just, you know, starting off in the fashion industry and needed to build their portfolios. So 
I would say my normal work week would look like me setting up a photo shoot with a photographer that was a collaboration. So we unpaid and then also reaching out to as many brands as I could. So I was developing these relationships with brands and I will tell you at the beginning when I couldn't, when I didn't have a huge following, the way that I actually made my money through working with brands wasn't through the exposure that I was giving them. It was actually through creating content for their social media channels. So I would pitch mm -hmm. these packages where I would say, hey, send me 20 outfits and I'll give you 100 photos for you to use on your social media. And um, that was kind of, it was almost like I was creative directing a shoot and modeling and doing all the things for them so that they didn't have to hire 10 people. And that really worked well for me. That's so smart. I was just talking to somebody on my last podcast about being multifaceted as an influencer, especially right now, because I don't like the whole thing of it's oversaturated, but like there's a lot of people doing this. So you better figure out how to stand out. And I had just saw uh, Mallory on the moon. I don't know if you follow her, yeah, but she had just like... Oh, awesome. Yeah. And she had, you know, done that whole shoot, I think for mod cloth or something. And I was like, that's the future is, is taking those and doing something outside of the box. So that's, I mean, that's really good advice. Um, so during your time of working really hard and you're pursuing your blog, are you hitting walls? Are you feeling discouraged? And if so, what are you doing to get through those times? Yeah. So I have, I mean, obviously throughout the entire journey, oh my gosh, how it's, how long has it been? Five years now, there have been tons of little mini ups and downs, but there was one pivotal hitting of a wall that probably forever changed the course of my brand. And I want to reference back to what I said before, when I first started, I would look at other influencers, see what they're doing and try and emulate the formula, right? So after probably I would say two, two and a half years of trying to emulate the formula, I got to the point where I just felt like I, I think it was around 60,000 followers. I just felt like I was hitting this wall where I wasn't really enjoying what I was doing anymore. It, start, it was starting to feel like work and I was starting to feel really resentful and frustrated that other people had these big followings and my work, I felt like the quality of my photos and the quality of my content were just like the best they'd ever been, but I still didn't see my numbers growing and I didn't see the increase in work reflect that. And I was really, I, yeah, I would just look at these other bloggers and go like, what do they have that I don't have? I'm doing the exact formula. I'm like doing the thing. <laughs> um, and then I had to take a real step back because that was really, obviously that comparison was really affecting my mental health. So I had to take a step back and figure out what was going on. And I think I made a couple of trips to Minnesota, which is where I'm from, and just spent some time at home reflecting on who I am and where I've come from and why I'm different. You know, I think we, we try so hard to be like other people when we're first starting that we forget our own identities. So for me, it was the realization that I didn't have to be like everybody else in order to, I mean, actually I couldn't be like, I physically couldn't be like everyone else in order to create my own brand. And so the one aha moment that I had was I'm a writer. I'm a writer, but I'm here busting my balls to make visual content because I thought Instagram was a place to share photos. But I went to journalism school. I used to write music. Why am I not using this skill and incorporating it into my work? My blogs were just like, here are some photos I took of these outfits and here are the links. <laughs> it wasn't, it was not, I was totally forgetting my strengths. And so when I went back and remembered all of the things about me that made me me, I stopped trying to post a street photo of me with a witty little caption and started really leaning into using my captions as a way to connect with people and using my writing as a way to connect with people. And I genuinely think that that was the big transition for me. And the next year I grew my audience yeah. by 100K in one year. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think for like a, the people that follow you, they see your like thought provoking <laughs> captions and you talk about giving value. And I've talked about this so recently, too, is I recently started implementing those tactics of being like, why am I even doing this? Oh, I should probably do what I'm good at. And then it's like once that flip switched, everything changed. And it's so crazy but it's like people have to get to that spot. They have to figure out what that why is, you know? And that's hard sometimes. But so if somebody was asking you, they said, Quigley, I've done everything and I'm gonna quit and I engage with people and nah, what would you tell them? I would say if you can impact one person a day, just one person, would you keep doing what you do? If you knew you had the power to change one person's life, would you keep making your art? Yeah. Because if you've got one follower, you have that power. Yeah. So keep going. We get caught up. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so you you talk a lot about, you know, social media, but with soul. Yeah. And so... Talk to me about that. Talk to me about where that came from and why why that means so much to you for your brand. Well, I think the aha moment there, there was a second aha moment, I would say, when I hit my wall. And that was me coming to terms with and really looking my perfectionism hard in the face and saying, how is this helping you? <laughs> um, because... <laughs> I had this idea that my photos had to be perfect. My grid had to be perfect. My outfits had to be perfect. And I had to be shooting in the most perfect location in order for yep. my, my <laughs> business to take off, in order for my brand to do well. And because of that, it really put me into multiple periods of burnout and exhaustion where I was so tired and so over it and so resentful that I wasn't able to create at all. (laughs) So that clearly was not helping me. The stress that I was putting on myself was paralyzing me. So I had to take a look in the mirror and say, okay, something's got to (laughs) give. Something's got to give. So I think the, I actually can trace it back to one specific post There is this girl named Becca Tilly who was on The Bachelor. And I will never forget one day I was scrolling through my feed and she posted a photo of her in her house. And it was just like against a white wall and she was wearing no makeup. And she was like, dude, I am so tired of scrolling through all these people and these epic outfits and epic locations and like thinking that I'm not enough. Well, guess what? I am enough. And without makeup or any fancy outfit or any fancy location, like this is me. And I was just like, oh my God, she's so brave. I feel like I can't believe she posted that. And I just like, I remember thinking, I, I can't do that. I like, I, I, I've worked too hard to make my grid perfect. Like I can't post an <laughs> iPhone pic with no filter and like completely stripped down. I've never had the courage to do that. And then when I when I heard myself think that, I thought, okay, the best things are birthed through when you run towards fear, when you do the shit that scares the crap out of you. So I thought, okay, if this terrifies me, then maybe it's enough to shake up this crazy rut I'm in, and I'm going to try it. And so I just went outside mm-hmm. my comfort zone, and I, tr- and I tried something new, and it brought out a side of me that was more vulnerable than I'd never ever shared before. And in doing so, I was able to connect with people on a level I was not even coming close to doing so before. Wow. Yeah, I was. um, It's interesting because right before this, I was listening to the Skinny Confidential podcast and she was like, you know, and and you you get kind of nervous before interviews. And like, I usually have my co-host and, you know, you're all thinking and she goes, do one thing every day that scares you and that you feel so uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, that's terrifying. But it's so true. Like living life happens outside of your comfort zone. But sometimes when you face that, it can be so scary. Um, but for you, when you're so when you're sitting down to post um, mm-hmm. your photos, are you 
planning these out or are these just like thoughts that are coming like right in the moment or how do you kind of give that soul and that value to your followers? Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. It is a mix (laughs) because I, another thing I've struggled with throughout learning how to be a content creator is boundaries. And in order for me to have a personal life at all, (laughs) I have to be able to batch my content. Otherwise I'd be online. I'd be on my phone 24 hours a day. So what I've learned is that when I have these creative bursts of energy, I write. So sometimes I'll just sit on my phone and I'll write three or four captions in a row. Um, Sometimes I will get ready to post and I'll write the captions for the moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my team uh, will help me by planning out topics. So they'll, we'll put together a calendar at the beginning of the month and we'll say, okay, these are the topics we want to hit on each of these days. And sometimes I'll on Mondays start out and look at the calendar for the week and you know, write the caption for each of those topics, if that makes sense. But honestly, I would love to say it's the same every month, but it's not because I'm very abstract random. And I just, when like the flow is on, I try and get as much down as possible. Totally. My friend says that when I get into that mode, it's like, that's so Raven. And you have like this vision and you stop for a second and you're like, hang on a second. I got to write stuff down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you, so do, you said you batch that, do you batch all of the other content that you do or how does, how does that look? Do you have a specific photographer now? At, like that's, that's like on your team? Yeah. So I have, I, when I say I have a team of five, I don't include photographers. I have two photographers that I work with pretty regularly, um, but they're contracted. So it's just like on a case by case basis. Um, So, but you know, we'll do a shoot and we're just like, so those two photographers also happen to be two of my best friends. So when we shoot, we shoot like a lot of stuff. That's awesome. So we'll get a lot of content within just like one day of shooting. And then the rest of the content that I post is just generally iPhone content that I take or my husband takes or one of my employees shoots and it's just a bit more casual and laid back yeah well that's awesome because your feed looks perfect (laughs) so that's cool from like taking iPhone photos does your does your husband do you guys work together in any other capacity well so my husband actually doesn't work for me full-time I would say I count him as one of the five because he (laughs) like, like, you know, we both work from the same place and he's in all of my content and he's very present as a a part of the brand, but he actually has a full-time job working, um, for a spirit company. So, but he works from home for them. So it, it works out really well. Yeah, I saw his uh, stories today, your your Instagram takeover and everything. So I was like, hmm, I wonder what their relationship dynamic is like, because it can be so tricky working with your significant other. Well, yeah, and I, and I honestly feel like we have all of those challenges because we both work from home. So whether yeah. or not we're always working on the same projects, like we're both in the same, you know, a thousand square foot house. <laughs> we're both yeah. like, you know, we spend all of our time together. So we have definitely had challenges. I would say, um, before, I mean, we go through stages. Some stages are really hard where we're butting heads a lot. And I wish that we were not together all the time. Um, and then other stages are like, I mean, right now I think it's mostly because I'm pregnant and my brain is giving off a lot of oxytocin (laughs) (laughs) that I'm like, just so thankful for him to like, have him during this quarantine time with me all the time. That's really cute. Yeah, I've I've been seeing your guys' videos and it's so fun. I was thinking of this. It's so fun seeing other people so happy and I can just tell you guys are so happy and at your like doctor's appointment and I'm like, they're so happy and I'm happy for you because you're so happy. Thank you. Um, So I want to know a little bit about where you get your creative energy when it comes to fashion and photo shoots because you have a very unique sense of style and shooting and it's it's so fun and inventive. So where does that come from? Man, that is a good question. Well, I would say just in general, I grew up in a very creative household. My dad, well, my my mom and dad were very, you know, 
very creative. They didn't do it as a career though. My mom was a flight attendant. My dad was a small business owner, but my mom absolutely loved fashion and visual art, like painting and that kind of stuff. And then my dad was a musician. So they both, you know, I just grew up around art and it was always a part of my identity. So as an adult, when I got started making content, I just really felt like it was my calling. And um, I do think a lot of my visual style also comes from the message that I want to say and the purpose behind the visuals. And then the third thing would be the marriage, I would say, to my two photographer wives. <laughs> because um, Champagne uh, and Jordan are their names, and they we we've known each other since I started the blog and we've really evolved together as artists and we've gotten into this flow where we create together. And it's just, I can't take full credit for my visuals because it's just so much of a collaborative process and we've grown together so much along the way. But I will say that I think my favorite part of creating is that overarching vision that I'll, get when I'm really inspired that will come over me and I'll be like, this is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to shoot. This is how we're going to shoot it. And this is what I'm going to wear. And this is how we're going to do my makeup. <laughs> and like when I'm on set, it's just my happy place. I just absolutely love it. So. Yeah. So, so what advice would you give to somebody who's feeling like they don't even know really what their why is and like what their creative vision is. Cause I think I've talked to a lot of people on Instagram and they're just like, so like, what should I post? And like, how should I do it? I'm like, mm -hmm. well, those are some big questions you're going to have to figure out. I yeah. think yourself, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but what would you, what would you tell somebody? Well, I would tell someone first off, don't expect yourself to be at the finish line on day one because this is taking me 10 years to figure my shit out, you know? So from the day I auditioned to idol till now, did I have, did I know what the end result was going to be? Absolutely not. You know? And did I know I was going to get to a point where my skills were at X level? No, I had no idea. I just had to take one leap of faith after the other, after the other, after the other. And so give yourself a little bit of patience um, and have some compassion for the fact that like it's, going to take a lot of trial and error. It's going to take probably 10,000 hours of commitment for you to see the kinds of results that you're looking for. And the other thing that I would say is if you don't even know where to get started with what topic interests you, think about if there's anything in life that makes your blood boil. If there's anything that makes you angry or upset or frustrated, because for me, a lot of it was the backlash that I had towards from being on Idol. And I felt like the media perceived me in a certain way. And I felt like it was unfair. And I wanted to use that feeling of like, oh, I wish this didn't happen in this way to write. And in writing, I was exploring my identity as a woman and my identity with myself and my relationship with myself. And that's actually eventually what have now become some of the topics that I feel like resonate the best with my audience. And it took a very long time, but now in hindsight, I can say, okay, I can kind of see where these things came together. But I, if I didn't have that anger and that feeling and want to prove something. I don't know if I ever would have landed on the specific topic that I now talk about. So figure out what pisses you off. Make a difference yeah. in the world. <laughs> that's a that's really good advice because I think a lot of times I, I want to say to people, well, what do you love to do? But I think the opposite approach is so <laughs> smart too because then it's like, oh, use that anger. <laughs> no, really. Um, like think about what what you know, I, I think of people who have started charities because, you know, a family member of theirs is sick or people who have, you know, had something traumatic happen to them and then they go on to tell their story and they make a huge impact. Sometimes the hardest things in our lives can be the things that give us the greatest strength. 
Yeah, no, totally. I mean, because even if you would have taken your experience with Idol or what happened during that time and you would have just let it define you, you wouldn't be where you were. And I think a lot of people have done that. A lot of people do that now. They let one failure or they because I feel like there, there's always going to be those times where you look back and you go, why did I do that? Or you listen back to a podcast, you're like, oh, my word. But if you let that one moment define you, you're never going to get anywhere, you know? Um, but so for you, I feel like, so when I see your Instagram, I feel like I don't see fear in you at all. Like you're just like unashamedly yourself and you just like are who you are. Has that always been like ingrained within you or have you had to kind of get over being on video and all that? Cause that's like a huge thing for me as I'm I'm like, how does she do that? (laughs) Oh my God. Scroll back, darling. Scroll. <laughs> I've never archived any of my photos because I want people to be able to scroll back in my feed and see that I wasn't always like this. And I do a yeah. lot of posts on my Instagram showing people the transition of when I first started my blog to where I am now because I used to just stand awkwardly on street corners like this yeah. <laughs> and take a photo of my outfit. Like that's, you yeah. know, and now I'm like showing up on a location and I'm like, Bleh! <laughs> It's, tr- it's it all comes with experience and it all comes with you know the more you put yourself out there the more you face your fears the more you force yourself to let go of the perfectionist in you the easier it becomes yeah it's all it's all the journey right the the favorite word right now <laughs> but it's true <laughs> yeah um so i i feel like with influencing I mean I that's kind of a negative word now unfortunately like being an influencer but I mean I think that if there's anything that your page has proven it's like you actually can change lives and you can give value to people and so I, th- I think for a lot of people starting they they don't know if they could even treat it like a business or oh that's cringy or oh I don't want to take money like so what would you tell somebody who's kind of like I don't really want to be an influencer because I feel like that's Nate, you know, yeah, looked yeah. down upon. Totally. I think it's a hurdle that we, I mean, I definitely had to get over that hurdle when I first started. Um, I think if you think about the word influencer, influencer, I can't even say it. <laughs> if you think about the word influencer, it just means to influence. And I'm pretty sure everybody on this planet wants to have some kind of influence. And mm-hmm. I think if you, think about it more as how am I going to give versus how am I going to receive what value and what service am I going to provide? And you're always answering that question with your content, then you won't spend a day feeling guilty in your life doing this because if it's always about providing a service and being a force of good in whatever category or niche that you're exploring, then what is there to feel guilty about? Because digital marketing has changed. So if a brand wants to pay you as a person, as an individual to promote their product, that money used to be going towards billboards and TV ads. And now it's going to individual people with individual voices. This is crazy. This is a beautiful thing. Our marketing has changed from only being celebrity spokespeople to the everyday person. And that if you don't think that that's good, then goodbye. Yeah, no, I I see it. that pisses you off because you got all fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did, it did. And honestly, that 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 answers my question from before too, because that's a, a topic that I am very passionate about and I've turned it into product. Like that question right there is why I created social media because I wanted people to get past the hurdles of the negative side effects and the negative connotations of being a creator and living a digital life in order to be an artist in this incredible time to be an artist. Yeah, I mean, this is the best time to be alive. I always say that. There's so much opportunity. You can do anything that you want to do, really. I mean, you have to work your butt off, but you can do it. (laughs) Um, So I just have a couple more questions. So for... um, for you, I mean, I know that obviously you have so much passion for everything that you're doing and you love to do it, but on those days 
when you just are, I mean, are there days where you wake up and you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And, or you're feeling super discouraged about something. Is there something you do like, like active? Like, do you go on a run or do you watch Netflix or what do you do to get through those times? Absolutely go through those times. And for me, it's just a general reminder that I need to either slow down or focus on my boundaries a bit more, create some more me time, create some more time uh, for reflection. And I think when you're on your phone and you're creating digital content, you can be really out of the present moment. So I would agree in the sense that, yeah, going on walks, I do two walks with my dogs a day, going on runs where I'm not looking at my phone, just talking to friends and family, making that personal time that I need to uh, have to refuel is usually what, what helps pull me out of that. Yeah. Do you have then like non-negotiables in your day to help you get through your day to day? I wish I could say that I'm that routine, but I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I would love to say that I have like the perfect ritual or the perfect like schedule, but I don't. I'm freaking all over the place. Some days I work out and some days I don't. Some days I call my mom and some days I don't. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I, I found when I was really diving into listening to more podcasts, I would be like, I don't get up at 5 a.m. and like go to the pool and go on a run. And so then I felt like, am I not like an entrepreneur then? And it's like, no, because everybody is just so different. Whatever whatever gets it done for you is what you should do. So totally. I think that's Some great. Some people strive, like really thrive off of regimented routine. And for me, I need a little bit more fluidity. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I think that's part about being an artist too. And being a creative is sometimes, I don't think everybody can be regimented. Um, so what, what is next for you? I've seen a lot of your stuff about posing and your presets and all of that other than baby coming soon. Uh, (laughs) what, what, what's going on in the world of Quigley right now? Yeah. Well, really for me, 2018 and 2019 were wonderful years. We grew the business in ways I never imagined, but we also hit our max as a team in terms of the amount of sponsored content that we could post. Um, Obviously, you know, we didn't want to overwhelm our audience and we definitely had a few months where I was like, we are posting way too much sponsored content. But as I grew my team, I needed a way to pay them. You know, like I couldn't just like start, start backtracking. I needed to you know, people want to make money. <laughs> people want to keep their jobs. So I, um, you know, we really had to sit down and say, okay, as a brand, how are we going to grow next? What venture is going to create enough passive income so that we don't have to take as many sponsored and brand partnerships? Not that we don't love doing them. We just, I can only do so, so many and we can only post so many. And, but we wanted to scale the business obviously to the next level. And so we started with the creation of my online class, social media. And now I would say we're in the trajectory of building that to be more than just a class, building it to be a platform for multiple sources of digital marketing education. Um, and just kind of expanding our community as we go and offering different educational things. So we've got another mini course in the works. Um, and then we have another few projects up our sleeve for uh, 2021 that are going to be in that realm of education. My mom and both of my grandmas were teachers. So it's just also in my nature to. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I, the, the people that stick out to me the most on social media are the ones that rein in a little like pull back a little bit on sponsored posts and then they're like wait I could actually do something bigger than this so Mm -hmm. I think that's really really important um something that came up when you were talking did you I mean you eventually probably had to but get to a spot where I mean you had to say no a lot as far as maybe like what you were charging or like you said maybe you were at a cap for what you were doing I know for a lot of influencers that are smaller like in the 10,000 range or whatever, it's so hard to say no to like money. (laughs) And so for you, um, 
how how did you tackle getting to that point? I ta- I got to that point after burnouts. I just I I had months where it was just me and my assistant and we would like bend over backwards. I mean, we didn't sleep. There were nights that I just like laid on the floor crying because I could not get all of my work done. So yeah, that was the point where we were like, okay, I'm pretty sure we can raise our rates now and start saying no to things. Yeah. Um, Knowing your worth. Yeah. And not, you know, doing a hundred jobs a month and doing like five jobs a month where we're charging a little bit more. Um, and I definitely think once I brought my management on, it was a bit easier to say no because they got to be the bad guy. It's really hard for me to write that email being like, I'm so sorry, I can't. Um, so that I will say really helped. And, um, I, we turned down a lot of stuff in 2018 and 2019. And I, I don't think I would have experienced the growth I experienced without saying no to all of those things because a, you don't want to take a job that's off brand for you. And not every offer that comes through is going to be perfectly aligned with your brand. So when you are able to start being more selective, you can be more, you know, you can pick the ones that really, really resonate with you best. And, um, that's what I started doing. And I think that was really helpful. Yeah. And I think your audience starts to trust you a lot more too, because then when you do post an ad, they're like, oh, I think she actually likes that because this is her first one in a while, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I just have one more question. I like to ask all of my guests this, um, but just like the silver lining of maybe your whole life or your career or what's happening right now for you, um, but just something bad that something good came out of or challenging. Mm -hmm. Well... I had a different, I had, I was going to say the whole American Idol thing, but we kind of already touched on that. So I'll say I was in a relationship that was not super great for me. I was engaged before I met my husband to another guy. And, um, that was really, really a huge turning point for me. A huge, huge, I would say I mean, I, I can't like say this with certainty, but I'm pretty sure it was an emotionally abusive relationship. Um, and I had a lot of growing up to do. And in the time period where I was healing from that is when I met my husband. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it, but it was lovely. And now we've been yeah. married for three years. Is it three years, babe? Yeah, I know. <laughs> We don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I feel like a lot of a lot of girls will resonate with that. And obviously, this isn't in my notes or anything. But is there any advice you would give to maybe a a young girl who is going through? Maybe they know they're in a relationship that isn't right. Is there something that you would tell them to encourage them to get out of it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had. When I was with my ex, the first red flag came a month into our relationship. Like it was pretty early on that there was a big red flag that came about. And I thought that I could love him enough and be as patient enough and and teach him the way that I wanted to be loved. But um, at one point it was like when someone's drowning, they're going to take you under with them. And it's like you have to choose yourself or someone else. And I didn't feel like I had the strength to do that because when you're in a relationship like that, your self-confidence gets lower and lower and lower and your self-esteem just plummets. And so at the time that I knew that I needed to act, I felt so weak. And so what I did was I actually ended up seeing a therapist behind his back. And he, he, cause he didn't, he wouldn't agree to see a therapist with me. So, uh, for about six months before we broke up, I was seeing someone to help rebuild my confidence and self-esteem to know that I'd be okay on my own. Yeah. Well, I'm happy you made that, that jump. And now you have a little family coming along. 
And so I'm really happy for you. And also, I'm really happy I got to talk to you. I know. And thank you for being on the show. This was so fun. And we'll have to do this again sometime, maybe in person. And then Lisa and you can have a mom chat because you'll have a little baby by then. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you for being on the show. And I'm excited for everyone to hear this. So me too. It's a good it's a good one. Well, Shakers, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Quigley. I had such a good time fangirling a little bit in my bedroom. Um, I am so grateful that she took the time to be on the show, and I really hope you guys found value in her story. Um, as always, you can just follow us along at the Salt and Pepper Podcast on Instagram. You can follow us personally at Olivia Corinne and at Lisa Brosser Ursu. There's some links down below so you guys don't have to worry about spelling all of that. Um, you can also join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders, and you can ask more questions or you can just like hit us up and give us suggest- suggestions for the show or topics or anything like that. Um, and we will be on there. Um, feel free to email me or DM me if you have any other thoughts or ideas. Um, and I would love to get to know all of you guys better. So as always, it's always better when <laughs> Salt and Pepper are together, even if we're not right now see you guys next tuesday thanks for listening tune in every tuesday on the salt and pepper podcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts be sure to subscribe and please rate and review follow us on instagram at the salt and pepper podcast make sure to like and follow our facebook page and email us for any questions comments or ideas about what you want to hear on the show we will see you next tuesday I'm all shook up.